Thanks to the wonderful folks at Anchor.fm. Welcome, listeners, to Tom Reads Your Story. Join voice actor Tom Zania as he reads from past audiobooks and other spoken word projects. You writers may also be given the chance to have your newly written material, fiction or nonfiction, read to an audience. This show will get the words out. And now, here's the host of Tom Reads Your Story, voice actor and podcaster, Tom Zania. And as always, thank you, Mr. Announcer, for that lovely introduction. Welcome to you, voice actors, writers of all kinds, and audiobook listeners. We are celebrating the spoken word here, and this is Tom Reads Your Story. Thanks for stopping by. I'm glad you're here. So today, I guess you could you could call today a reading from an adult humorist, humorist and a reading from a children's humorist, because that's what they both are, Woody Allen and Shel Silverstein. From Woody Allen, we'll have uh, some writings from his, or one one article, excuse me, from his uh, time with the New Yorker magazine and from Shel Silver, Silverstein, a collection of short poems that I was able to find online. And I think you'll like both of them very, very much. Um, what else is there to say? I, um, I'm glad you're here today, and I'll be right back. Jeff Corey was a great Hollywood character man who became blacklisted in 1951. In the book Improvising Out Loud, My Life Teaching Hollywood How to Act, Corey recounts his extraordinary story. Among the actors who would soon fill his classes were James Dean, Kirk Douglas, Jane Fonda, Rob Reiner, Jack Nicholson, and Leonard Nimoy. In 1962, when the blacklist ended, Corey was one of the industry's first trailblazers to seamlessly reboot his acting career and secure roles in some of the classic films of the era, including Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, True Grit, and Little Big Man, in which he starred as the infamous Wild Bill Hickok. His memoir, which he wrote with his daughter Emily Corey, provides a unique and personal perspective on the man whose teaching inspired some of Hollywood's biggest names to star in the roles that made them famous. Improvising Out Loud, My Life Teaching Hollywood How to Act, written by Jeff Corey with Emily Corey. Listen to this incredible book by visiting audible.com. I, uh, I've always been a fan of Woody Allen. I especially like uh, Annie Hall. And, of course, Manhattan, which is in beautiful black and white. Um, but I, I kind of became a fan of his when Bananas came out, which I was just on the floor laughing at. I thought it was so funny. And, um, and of course, I've seen, I think, pretty much all of his films. Um, maybe a few here and there that, that got past me, but... For the most part, I'm always looking forward to uh, what he has in store, especially when it's something that's flat out funny with him in it. Or now, I, I I do have to say one of his finest were uh, was um, 
uh, not Bullets Over, yeah, Bullets Over Broadway and also uh, Radio Days. Radio Days is a terrific film with Alan's uh, wonderful narration. And um, it is about his childhood and, and growing up with different members of his family. It's a wonderful movie. I really recommend it if you're not all that learned in Alan's work. Definitely see Radio Days, uh, Bullets Over Broadway, which was made into a Broadway musical that was eh, didn't last too long, but uh, got made uh, nonetheless uh, with the late uh, Marin Maisie, uh, an old friend of mine. And um, definitely see those Bullets Over Broadway and um, Radio Days and also Manhattan. Manhattan shows the beauty of of Alan's visual ability. Uh, it's just a gorgeous film to look at, and it's uh, it's very very funny too. What I'm going to be playing for you now is something of his from um, the New Yorker. Now, Alan. Uh, I guess wrote a lot of things for the New Yorker. I don't know if he still does that or not because I haven't really been following his career that closely. Uh, however, I found these uh, or this article in the, uh, the New Yorker uh, about the passing of a certain fictional character. Here it is. I think you'll like it. Tales of Manhattan by Woody Allen. Two weeks ago, Abe Moskowitz dropped dead of a heart attack and was reincarnated as a lobster. Trapped off the coast of Maine, he was shipped to Manhattan and dumped into a tank at a posh Upper East Side seafood restaurant. In the tank, there were several other lobsters, one of whom recognized him. Abe, is that you? the creature asked his antennae perking up. "'Who's that?' "'Who's talking to me?' Moskowitz said, still dazed by the mystical slam-bang post-mortem that had transmogrified him into a crustacean. "'It's me, Mo Silverman,' the other lobster said. "'Oh, my God!' Moskowitz piped, recognizing the voice of an old gin-rummy colleague. "'What's going on?' We're reborn, Mo explained, as a couple of two-pounders. Lobsters? This is how I wind up after leading a just life? In a tank on Third Avenue? The Lord works in strange ways, Mo Silverman explained. Take Phil Pinchuk, the man keeled over with an aneurysm. He's now a hamster. All day running at the stupid wheel. For years, he was a Yale professor. My point is, he's gotten to like the wheel. He pedals and pedals, running nowhere, but he smiles. Moskowitz did not like his new condition at all. Why should a decent citizen like himself, a dentist, a mensch who deserved to relive life as a soaring eagle or ensconced in the lap of some sexy socialite, getting his fur stroked, come back ignominiously as an entree on a menu. 
It was his cruel fate to be delicious, to turn up at today's special, along with a baked potato and dessert. This led to a discussion by the two lobsters of the mysteries of existence, of religion, and how capricious the universe was, when someone liked Saul Drazen, a schlemiel they knew from the catering business, came back after a fatal stroke as a stud horse, impregnating cute little thoroughbred fillies for high fees. Feeling sorry for himself and angry, Moskowitz swam about, unable to buy into Silverman's Buddha-like resignation over the prospect of being served Thermidor. At that moment, who walked into the restaurant and sits down at a nearby table? But Bernie Madoff. If Moskowitz had been bitter and agitated before, now he gasped as his tail started churning the water like an evinrude. I don't believe this, he said, pressing his little black peepers into the glass walls. That Ghanif, who should be doing time, chopping rocks, making license plates, somehow slipped out of his apartment confinement, and he's treating himself to a shore dinner. Clock the ice on his immortal beloved, Mo observed, scanning Mrs. M's rings and bracelets. Moskowitz fought back his acid reflux, a condition that had followed him from his former life. He's the reason I'm here, he said, riled to a fever pitch. Tell me about it, Mo Silverman said. I played golf with the man in Florida, which incidentally, he'll move the ball with his foot if you're not watching. Each month, I got a statement from him, Moskowitz ranted. I knew such numbers looked too good to be kosher. And when I joked to him how it sounded like a Ponzi scheme, he choked on his kugel. I had to do the Heimlich maneuver. Finally, after all that high living, it comes out he was a fraud and my net worth was bupkis. P.S. I had a myocardial infraction that registered at the oceanography lab in Tokyo. With me, he played it coy, Silverman said, instinctively frisking his carapace for a Xanax. He told me at first he had no room for another investor. The more he put me off, the more I wanted in. I had him to dinner, and because he liked Rosalie's blintzes, he promised me the next opening would be mine. The day I found out he could handle my account, I was so thrilled I cut my wife's head out of our wedding photo and put his in. When I learned I was broke, I committed suicide by jumping off the roof of our gold club in Palm Beach. I had to wait half an hour to jump. I was twelfth in line. At this moment, the captain escorted Madoff to the lobster tank, where the unctuous Sharpie analyzed the assorted saltwater candidates for potential succulents and pointed to Moskowitz and Silverman. An obliging smile played on the captain's face as he summoned a waiter to extract the pair from the tank. This is the last straw, Moskowitz cried bracing himself for the consummate outrage. To swindle me out of my life savings and then to nosh me in butter sauce? What kind of universe is this? Moskowitz and Silverman 
Their ire-reaching cosmic dimensions rocked the tank to and fro until it toppled off its table, smashing its glass walls and flooding the hexagonal tile floor. Heads turned as the alarmed captain looked on in stunned disbelief. Bent on vengeance, the two lobsters scuttled swiftly after Madoff. They reached his table in an instant, and Silverman went for his ankle. Moskowitz, summoning the strength of a madman, leaped from the floor and with one giant pincer took firm hold of Madoff's nose. Screaming with pain, the gray-haired con artist hopped from the chair as Silverman strangled his instep with both claws. Patrons could not believe their eyes as they recognized Madoff and began to cheer the lobsters. "'This is for the widows and charities,' yelled Moskowitz. Thanks to you, Hatikva Hospital is now a skating rink. Madoff, unable to free himself from the two Atlantic denizens, bolted from the restaurant and fled yelping into traffic. When Moskowitz tightened his vice-like grip on his septum and Silverman tore through his shoe, they persuaded the oily scammer to plead guilty and apologize for his monumental hustle. By the end of the day, Madoff was in Lenox Hill Hospital, awash in welts and abrasions. The two renegade main courses, their rage slaked, had just enough strength left to flop away into the cold, deep waters of Sheepshead Bay, where, if I'm not mistaken, Moskowitz lives to this day with Yetta Belkin, whom he recognized from shopping at Fairway. In life, she had always resembled a flounder, and after her fatal plane crash, she came back as one. And that, of course, was from the great Woody Allen, and I'm glad you're here to listen to that. I will be back right after this. Farmers, were your crops damaged by drifting dicamba? If so, Call the law firm of Weitz and Luxembourg at 800-887-2244. That's 800-887-2244 regarding possible financial compensation for drifting dicamba damages. Call 800-887-2244 or visit dicambadrifts.com. Prior results do not guarantee a future outcome. And, uh, you know, I, I, I should have said before, I am, I'm a fan of poetry, but I have to confess, I'm a fan of short poems the most because, because they're short and I don't get confused. A lot of times when I'm reading poetry, I get confused. I try to figure out what's going on or, I, you know, I, I don't understand what they're speaking of or it's just too flowery of a language or just whatever. I wasn't introduced to the poems of Shel Silverstein until, gosh, I, sometime in my 20s, probably my late 20s. I had never heard of him. And someone in my family, uh, I guess, gave me one of his books or Where the Sidewalk Ends, I think was it. And I was reading it. And I think it, I don't know if it was a recording or not, but I was just 
I was so pleased at what I was hearing. I, I just loved it. And I decided I would play some of it for you right now. I'm going to read, you're going to hear me read from Wikipedia about Shel Silverstein first. There will be a short pause, and then it will go into his poems. Shel Silverstein. Sheldon Allen Shell Silverstein was an American writer for his cartoons, songs, and children's books. He styled himself as Uncle Shelby in some works. His books have been translated into more than 30 languages and have sold more than 20 million copies. He was the recipient of two Grammy Awards, as well as the Golden Globe Award and Academy Award nominations. Born into a Jewish family, Silverstein grew up in the Logan Square neighborhood of Chicago, attended Roosevelt High School, and, later, the University of Illinois, from which he was expelled. He then enrolled in the Chicago Academy of Fine Arts, which he was attending when he was drafted into the United States Army. He served in Japan and Korea. Invitation From where the Sidewalk Ends Invitation If you are a dreamer, come in. If you are a dreamer, a wisher, a liar, a hoper, a prayer, a magic bean buyer, if you're a pretender, come sit by my fire, for we have some flax golden tails to spin. Come in, come in. Runny's Heading Rabbits from Runny Rabbit Runny's Heading Rabbits Runny lent to the library, and there were hundreds of hooks. Bistery hooks, biography gooks, and lots of Boris dukes. He looked them over one by one, and guess which one he took. A bient skook? A boetry pook? Oh, no. A Bomic Cook Homework Machine From A Light in the Attic Homework Machine The Homework Machine Oh, the Homework Machine Most perfect contraption that's ever been seen Just put in your homework, then drop in a dime Snap on the switch, and in ten seconds' time Your homework comes out, quick and clean as can be Here it is Nine plus four? And the answer is three. Three? Oh, me. I guess it's not as perfect as I thought it would be. For Sale From Where the Sidewalk Ends One sister for sale. One sister for sale. One crying and spying young sister for sale. I'm really not kidding. So who'll start the bidding? Gardener, from Falling Up, Special Edition. Gardener, we gave you a chance to water the plants. We didn't mean that way. Now zip up your pants. Falling Up, from Falling Up. Falling Up, I tripped on my shoelace and I fell up. Up to the rooftops, up over the town, up past the treetops, up over the mountains, 
up where the colors blend into the sounds. But it got me so dizzy when I looked around. I got sick to my stomach, and I threw down. The Wild Chirote from Don't Bump the Glump The Wild Chirote I'd like a coat of wild chirote. It's warm and fleecy as can be. But note, what if the wild chirote would like a coat of me? Put something in from A Light in the Attic. Put something in. Draw a crazy picture. Write a nutty poem. Sing a mumble-gumble song. Whistle through your comb. Do a loony goony dance cross the kitchen floor. Put something silly in the world that ain't been there before. Snowball from Falling Up Snowball I made myself a snowball as perfect as could be. I thought I'd keep it as a pet and let it sleep with me. I made it some pajamas and a pillow for its head. Then last night it ran away. But first, it wet the bed. Flag, from where the sidewalk ends. Flag, one star is for Alaska. One star is for Nebraska. One star is North Dakota. One star is Minnesota. There are lots of other stars, but I forget which ones they are. Frozen Dream from a light in the attic, frozen dream. I'll take the dream I had last night and put it in my freezer. So someday long and far away, when I'm an old gray geezer, I'll take it out and thaw it out, this lovely dream I've frozen, and boil it up and sit me down and dip my old cold toes in. Superstar from everything on it. Superstar. I'm the greatest, newest superstar, and soon you'll cheer my name. I'm smart and slick and strong and quick, an expert at the game. But before we start, one question, please. I hesitate to ask it, but where's the basket? Pancake, from where the sidewalk ends. Pancake? Who wants a pancake, sweet and piping hot? Good little Grace looks up and says, I'll take the one on the top. Who else wants a pancake, fresh off the griddle? Terrible Teresa smiles and says, I'll take the one in the middle. Monsters I've Met from A Light in the Attic Monsters I've Met I met a ghost, but he didn't want my head. He only wanted to know the way to Denver. I met a devil, but he didn't want my soul. He only wanted to borrow my bike a while. I met a vampire, but he didn't want my blood. He only wanted two nickels for a dime. I keep meeting all the right people at all the wrong times. The Voice from Falling Up No teacher, preacher, parent, friend or wise man can decide. What's right for you, just listen to the voice that speaks inside. The Bible from Don't Bump the Glump 
The Bible's habits are rather crude. He shuns all ordinary food and rather enjoys girls and boys. Noise Day from Falling Up Let's have one day for girls and boyses when you can make the grandest noises Screech, scream, holler, and yell Buzz a buzzer, clang a bell Sneeze, hiccup, whistle, shout Laugh until your lungs wear out School From Everything on It School Rain and hail, cold and snow Are good excuses not to go Eighteen Flavors From Where the Sidewalk Ends Eighteen flavors, eighteen luscious, scrumptious flavors, chocolate, lime, and cherry, coffee, pumpkin, fudge, banana, caramel, cream, and boysenberry, rocky road and toasted almond, butterscotch, vanilla dip, butter brickle, apple ripple, coconut and mocha chip, brandy, peach, and lemon custard, each scoop lovely, smooth, and round, tallest ice cream cone in town, lying there... On the ground. Superstitious from a light in the attic. If you are superstitious, you'll never step on cracks. When you see a ladder, you will never walk beneath it. And if you ever spill some salt, you'll throw some cross your back and carry around a rabbit's foot in case you need it. some wonderful poems from Shel Silverstein. I very much hope you like that. And I also hope you like uh, the new format as it is right now. Uh, drop me a line, and that includes if you have something you would like me to read for you. Uh, you can drop me a line, Tom reads your story at yahoo.com. I'd very much appreciate getting in touch with you. And that should do it for this episode. If you enjoyed hearing from the books I read today, make sure to visit audible.com for more books and short stories that I, as well as many other voice actors, have narrated. Be sure to email me at tomreadyourstory at yahoo.com to send in your written material for me to perform, or if you have specific questions about getting into the voiceover biz. As always, thanks to Anchor.fm for this wonderful chance at having a continuing podcast. I very much appreciate it. Hope you decide to come back soon. Have a great rest of your day and take care. For more information on Tom's availability for your e-learning, commercial, audiobook, or video project, visit his website at www.tomzvoices.weebly.com. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Tom Reads Your Story.